Seasonal greetings from everybody here at The Interval, the podcast with big talks and comedy shorts. Now, as we all know, the Christmas period is about giving back and helping your fellow human. So this year, we would like to introduce to you our very own Interval podcast Christmas advert. So sit back, relax, and submerse yourself in the wondrous, joyous Christmas spirit. Santa won't be coming this year. Because for some people, they have absolutely nothing. Look closely. Look harder. Look at their hope. Their dreams. If only there was a way to help. And now, there is, with the Interval Podcast Foundation. With one simple transaction, your money can go a long way to help those less fortunate than yourselves. With our simple six-step process, you can be rest assured that your money will almost certainly change somebody's life. You only need to provide us with a few details. Your 16-digit card number, your expiration date, your security number, national insurance number, passport number, and a clean photocopy of a valid form of identification. Just to make that abundantly clear, that's your 16-digit card number, your expiration date, your security number, which is the three digits on the reverse of your card, your national insurance number, passport number, and a clean, crisp, visible photocopy of a valid form of identification. And whilst you wait for your pending transaction, why not write in to the Interval Podcast Foundation weekly newsletter? Our editors are really interested about your mum's maiden name, your childhood pet, and your favourite teacher at school, preferably correct spelling. Donate now in the next 48 hours for the chance to be potentially entered into a winning prize draw with the possibility to win something. Don't delay. Only you can help. This is your chance to be the change you want to see in the world before it's too late. The Interval Podcast Foundation. Let's get Santa back on his sleigh. Welcome back to The Interval, the podcast with big talks and comedy shorts. I'm Andy. And I'm Jack. And this is Season 2, Episode Numero 2. We really hope that you enjoyed the previous episode. And if you did, please follow us on Twitter at Interval Podcast. And whilst you're at it, why not check out our Facebook page and give that a like as well. Now, we here at the Interval Podcast have so much fun making these podcasts for you guys and we just have a great time all around. And obviously, we're still a small podcast and we kind of want to bring in as many new listeners as possible. And all those retweets and likes really help us to achieve those goals. 
And uh, we also just like to say a massive thank you to all those who have already listened to our episodes and our latest episode. Um, it really means a lot. Um, we really appreciate all your feedback. Um, hopefully this will make their podcast even better. Um, and we really hope that we'll get more and more episodes out and the content will just get more entertaining and we can continue to have fun. That is the dream. That is the dream. Now, I'm sure you're all aware, after our wonderful advert, that Christmas is fast approaching. So, Jack, a big question. Mm. Do you feel Christmassy? No. We all love a positive, feel-good news story or fact or anything that makes us feel good inside, mm-hmm. especially now um, when there's a lot of negativity. It's good to try and find the positive in everything. So what me and Jack are going to be doing is, is finding uh, positive stories um, and telling them to ourselves as well as the listeners. So hopefully we'll all get something really nice out of this. Put a smile on your faces. Exactly. Um, so Jack, yes. without further ado, uh, give me... A feel-good story. Okay, so how would you like for $2 million to just fall out of the sky? That'd be pretty incredible. That'd be amazing. So for this Indonesian coffin maker, it's exactly what happened. <laughs> this this coffin maker was working on a coffin outside his house, and he, he heard a, a very large rumble. He described it as almost like a tree falling down. Um, and what had happened is a meteorite, had fallen from space crashed into his house and that is where it lay and apparently on the space market which apparently is a thing i didn't know there was a space market um it sells for 850 dollars per gram for standard meteorite so when the math's done it worked out roughly just under two million dollars oh my god so this little humble coffin maker makes a cool Two million dollars. That's amazing. From seemingly out of nowhere, it's a four billion year old meteorite. What is a space market? I assume it's where a lot of space trade is uh, is carried out. Well, I mean, is it something that's like revolving around the Earth right now? <laughs> you fly out, you dock in, and you <laughs> you, you trade your uh, your alien fruit, <laughs> and then you uh you you go back to Earth. I mean, or is this? An online market? I don't know what kind of deals you get on the space market. You have like a clearance sale, <laughs> stuff they can't shift. Yeah. Got, got a bit of meteor here from... Uh, from uh, I haven't got a buyer for this, but I need to get it off the shelf. Three million years ago, you know, people will do it half price for you. It's like a cash for gold, but space. Yeah. I want to go to the space market. Do you reckon it's on Sundays or every day? It's like a car boot. Like a Sunday. Sunday afternoon. Okay. Every day space market. Let's go. <laughs> Elon Musk will probably be going soon. <laughs> He's definitely selling stuff there at the space market. That'll be the first destination on the commercial... On, on the way to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> That's your halfway start like when you're on the uh, on the bus from Manchester to London. Pick up... Start with the services. Yeah. Pick up your sandwiches <laughs> on your way to Mars. Right, Andy, can you make me feel good with a story? Yeah, so I, I, think, I think I can. It's, it's not your stereotypical uh, feel-good thing, but I think this is a really cool idea and it's very topical. Okay. Um, so this was a post I saw on Facebook. Um, so there is a London Christmas tree uh, rental service mm-hmm. that essentially lets you rent a, a Christmas tree in a pot. Um, and then once Christmas is over in January... 
the tree goes back to live on on a farm. Right. Right. Yeah. And then next year you can pick up the same tree again. And then when the tree reaches seven foot and the tree retires, <laughs> it, gets, in a home. it gets planted in a forest. That's quite amazing. I love that. How does it... So it just continues to live. Yeah. Every, like, so you take it home, you take it back, they replant it, it grows again, they bring it back. Like, I think that's a that's really... That's quite a beautiful thing to do. That's I'm, really nice. And you can have like a relationship with a tree as well. Like, say that, you know, the tree's got bigger, like, you've grown older. I think there's something the quite nice about that. tree grows with you that. and the family. And, yeah, and that is that would literally be your family tree. So, I think I think that's a That'd really... That'd be a cool... really sad day when you had to uh, put it out to pasture. Yeah, well, <laughs> it says once it reaches seven foot, you just keep clipping the top <laughs> off. So, you don't have <laughs> to, send, don't have to send, send him back. <laughs> but, we, uh, we, we've always had a debate whether you want an artificial tree or a real tree. I think if you could do that, I mean, real tree every day, surely that's sustainable... And you can have a nice relationship with the tree. That is very beautiful. I would happily back that if I had cash to back something with. I mean, we've already got a tree, but if That's we knew true. about this before... We do have a very chody tree this year. Very chody. It's like a bush. Very, very wide, the Christmas bush. So it's that time of the show again where we get out the mystery box filled to the brim with VHS tapes from the past. So just like last week, we're going to pick one out at random, pop it in and see what we've got this week. Andy, would you like to do the honours of picking a tape? I shall. Here we go. This week we will be watching the infamous Wesley Wilder and the Railroad Kid. Excellent. I mean... This has got to be some sort of 60s classic western. Yeah. Surely. Surely. Right. Let's put it in. Let's do it. Let's do it. I still can't believe you've got a VHS player. That's a relic. Incredible piece of engineering. some business to attend to. Barkeep, I'm looking for someone. Now, who might that be? The railroad kid, and I know you've heard of him. Now, why would I give that kind of information to a man I've never met before? Damn it, boy, don't waste my time. I'd be careful, Sonny. I don't think you've been to a saloon like this before. Look, man, I won't ask you again. Put me in the direction of the railroad kid. I've never heard of him. Will this sweeten the deal? He was in the poker room, but it looks like he's found you first. Did somebody say the railroad kid? <laughs> <laughs> 
That'd be me. We can either do this the easy way, or the hard way. I guess it's gonna be the hard way. Just like before, kid. One. Two. Three. three. Is that the doorbell? I'll go get it. Yeah, alright. Auntie Jean! Oh. What a wonderful surprise! Oh, come on in then. What, the noise? Oh, it, it, we're just... We're just watching a family film. Turn it down. While you go into the kitchen, we'll, we'll get the kettle on. There's some old grey on the top shelf, Jean. Blimey. Yeah, I thought she was still in prison. Well, no, she she only had six months on her vandalism and racketeering charge. Mm. Well, I guess I'll have to finish it another time. Two sugars, please, Jean. All initial opinions are this is genuine. What you're about to see may disturb you. And with that jingle, it means it is story time. This is the section where we share and regale our tales um, tales which are weird, strange, bizarre, slightly off, potentially scary. And this week we do have a story from an anonymous listener who has emailed us. So me and Jack will both be reading this story live. So Jack, are you ready for this? I'm so ready for this. Okay. Let us begin. Let us begin. I've done a few cash and hand jobs in my time on this earth. And sometimes... I would have to collect the money from my employer's mate's house, which he would present to me in a plain brown envelope. Okay, already red flags going up there. Yeah. <laughs> the first time I went to collect it, I realised it was down a rarely it was down a rarely used side street past a pub that I've recently been informed is heavily haunted <laughs> by several ghosts. So, it's not just haunted, it's heavily haunted. This is, this is on a tenancy agreement, it's, it's haunted by several ghosts. And it's several ghosts. That's not got anything to do with the story, but I thought I'd leave it in there for romantic effect. Very nice. play. Um, I was walking up and down the street, and I realised I kept passing the turning, but I couldn't tell where I was supposed to turn, as I could just see offices for hire all over the place. So I ended up waiting creepily outside someone's house for a while before realising it was the wrong one. Big mistake. Yep. Loitering. When I finally ended up at the right turning, I entered a car park that was huge, but that I never knew was there. It was as if the sky had suddenly turned the same colour as the tarmac, sort of dusty grey, and I immediately felt like I was setting foot somewhere I shouldn't have been. I mean, if you go somewhere you shouldn't be, like... You can kind of tell, can't yeah, you? There's, you a, get, there's an off atmosphere you, about you just, it. You just know that something's off. Yeah. I could see movement out of the corner of my eye. A black shape was shuffling about behind a couple of traffic cones. I gingerly approached the cones, and as I did so, the shape came into focus. It was two ravens eating a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, something's going on with the pigeon. I'd, I'd be out. There's... <laughs> I was saying, the animals are always the first to know. Initially, 
I'd thought they were crows, but they were enormous, so I'm guessing they must have been ravens. In any case, they'd been pecking away at this pigeon corpse so forcefully that they'd created a hole that was about three inches wide. Good lord. Um, And each peck made it wobble like it was still alive. It was pretty hideous. Yep. Yep, I agree with that. Yeah. As I was peering at the scene, the guy who I was collecting the money off approached, holding out a brown envelope with a wad of cash inside. He handed it to me without a word. And I think I attempted to say, are you not concerned about the fact there are currently two ravens eating a pigeon in the park in front of your flat? But it probably just came out as a feeble thank you. I got out there pretty sharpish. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of booky stuff there. A lot, a lot of red flags. Um I mean, animals eating other animals is is always a pretty horrific sign. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, like like we said before, there's there's something up with the pigeons around here. I don't know what the deal is with doing this uh, this deal in the middle of a large car park with money in a in a brown. But but brown also, envelope. what job has this person just done? <laughs> I mean, like Some a brown illegal activity. A brown envelope in a park. What's what's this did, person done? Did a guy done? pull up in his car and like flash his lights so, like, to let know the deal was on? takes off the rubber gloves and put, puts the gun in the in the bin like is this guy an assassin or something honestly i want to know more about the several ghosts haunting the uh haunting the pub yeah i mean i guess that that that'll always be a question um but even so i mean i'm just concerned about the fact that there's this dodgy deal going on in, in a in a car park why is it always the birds it's always the birds it came The big one. It is time for the big one. It is the part of the show where we get ourselves a big topic and have ourselves an even larger debate. So, Mr. Long, what is this episode's topic? The topic for this episode is Does reality TV do more harm than good? Jack. Yes. Do you not think that reality TV is pretty ironic? Um, well, in regards to the fact that reality TV is probably the furthest thing from reality, then yeah, I'd probably say it is pretty ironic. Hmm. I'd agree with you. I think it's it's heightened reality, for yeah. sure. But I don't think what we see on TV is a, anywhere near what reality actually is. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's that's where the entertainment comes from. Because no one would want to sit down and watch something that is so close to reality. Like, yeah. if you wanted to watch reality, you go and sit in a pub and watch some people drinking beer. <laughs> it's not. It's not entertaining. I mean, it might be. Cam, I yeah. mean, people watching is entertaining, but it's. It's. You wouldn't sit down and, and watch it on your sofa at, at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. It has to have something else to keep you entertained, and I think entertained is the most important word there. Well, you've got to think how how can they get you know, 24 hours of a day into one hour for your viewing pleasure. Mm-hmm. That's because they've literally cut out all the stuff that they don't want you to see. You see one hour of that. So that's a very small percentage. Does that small percentage paint a true picture of that person? Yes and no. Mm. I'd say more no. Um, and that's why before you watch reality TV, I think you need to give yourself a disclaimer. Mm. You basically need to tell yourself that this is heightened reality, elements of reality, mm-hmm. um, for your entertainment. And I think what we forget a lot of the time is that the most entertaining parts of reality is the drama. Yeah. 
but it doesn't mean that drama is the be all and end all <laughs> of reality. It's just the most entertaining thing that's happened within that twenty four yeah. hour span of filming. That doesn't mean that drama is cool. Yeah, that yeah. So why do people watch reality TV? Why do you watch reality TV? Because I find it really entertaining. Um, it's a genre of television which is extremely popular. And I think it's a really nice escape from the other kind of fictitious TV shows and films you watch. Mm -hmm. um, I know we talked about the irony of the fact that it's, you know, heightened reality and not completely realistic. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you do enjoy seeing real people on television. You like seeing real reactions, um, whatever the subgenre of reality TV is. Um, and I think you do become very invested and it is like an escape because yeah. you are submersing yourself in someone else's, you know, reality. Um, but for me, simply put, because I, I do enjoy them a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. What about yourself? Um, I, yeah, I'd, I'd second that totally. Um, I think just to add to that, it's it's entertaining to watch and see and compare how I would react in the same situations. Mm and being able to see how a different person with a different mindset is reacting in that situation. Yeah. I think that's for me where I get the entertainment from it. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, again, escapism. It's nice to sit down and put something on that you don't have to necessarily put your full attention into like a film with a storyline that you can just sit there and passively watch it. And it's just nice. It's nice to involve, get involved with something that is a running episodic I say reality, where we say it, heightened reality, but reality nonetheless. Um, and for me, that's that's very, very entertaining. And of course, I mean, it does hit a lot of people because like we talked about, there are a lot of sub-genres of reality TV. Mm -hmm. You do have the more game show types. You have like stuff that focuses on a particular skill, whether it be cooking or, or business or things like that. Mm -hmm. And then you have the ones that focus more on, you know, human relationships um, and intimacy. Um do you think the different subgenres influence people more than others? Do you think people take different things from different reality TV shows? Um, I'd say yes. Um, I mean, more relationship-based shows are probably more accessible to people purely because relationships are something that everyone goes through at some yeah. point in their life. So I think that just makes the audience, audience base so much wider yeah. and allows many more people to get involved. Whereas things like The Apprentice, it's interesting, but not everyone has a business mind and wants to want to understand that. And yeah. that's totally fair. But yeah, relationships, it's it's open to everyone. And you can see why those particular shows have become so popular. As you said, like, like Big Brother, mm -hmm. um, like Love Island, it's because people can watch that and see themselves more in those people yeah. on television than say seeing yourself in someone who is on the apprentice who is a businessman it kind of it it opens it up to more to more viewers yep. and i think that's probably why we see more people and behavior and social media activity influenced by the shows like love island the only way is essex mm -hmm. Um, and, well, and, and yeah, sorry, go as on. I said, I, th I feel like the reason for that is because most of those people from those kind of shows then go on to have a career within social media, whether that be influencing or, or whatnot. Yeah. So I think naturally it brings that 
that viewership over to social media more mm. so than say the apprentice does and i think it's definitely uh worth talking about um people's reactions to reality tv uh in the way that we talk about it on social media and the way we discuss it um even in our own houses or at the pub or wherever mm. like these are people that we know yeah um they're almost like they're our friends we're using them by their first name yeah um, so it's really interesting to talk about people's reactions to it and whether that in itself causes another problem. Yeah. I mean, it, it does feel like you know them, though, because you spend for, for certain series that are on every single night of every week. You spend an hour with these people in, in your evening. Mm -hmm. And it does get to that point where you do feel like you know them personally. When you, of course, you don't. You don't know them personally. Yeah. But it feels like you do. And you have that collective thing with everyone else who watches the show and you can discuss it and it's it's nice to be able to do that um and i think that's what makes it so popular because how many times have you sat down after watching a tv program you normally say wow that performance was great that script was great mm -hmm. when you watch a reality tv show whatever the genre you think oh i really like that person or oh weren't they cute or like oh there's a bit of tension there yeah it gets people talking it does. And i think that's why because we relate you, you relate to it more and that's why it's such a popular and such a successful mm. genre. And that's why I think it will continue. So reality TV, does it do more harm than good? Andy, do you think that social media has a direct influence on, on that at all? Yes, um, completely. Um, we talked about how when you watch reality TV, it, it sparks a, a conversation with people that you live with or are watching with or whatnot. Um, in the same way, uh, people comment on Twitter and Facebook um, about reality TV. And a lot of the time, it's positive. Um, but a lot of the time, it's extremely negative. Mm -hmm. um, again, we watch these things knowing they're real people. But then when we comment on it on social media, um, we forget that they are real people i think with social media you have the protection of a screen it's not you online it's a separate persona to yourself mm. the way you discuss the show with your friends on the sofa who you live with is very different to how some people would then post about it online because it isn't you and i think mm. that's where the danger lies and i think the reason why it's more dangerous and could be harmful to the people that are on those reality tv shows is that unlike something else which you might comment on, like whether it be sport or someone performs in a film or whatnot, mm -hmm. you know, people can be critical. Like, of course, like things are there to be criticised a lot yep. of the time. Um, but if you're criticising someone's personality or or somebody, mm. that's different because you're attacking their you're attacking them, yeah. and that's gonna that's gonna affect them more so than say oh you know i didn't like that play or or you know i thought this football team's crap or whatever with reality tv when you comment on these things you are talking about an actual person without their guard up i think that's the issue though a lot of people will see people on tv and because it's on tv it almost puts out an idea that they have kind of signed up for that yeah in a way but then, like you say, you forget that they are living, breathing human beings with their own emotions mm. and own feelings. And that doesn't take away any of the the aggression and nastiness that comes with a nasty comment that you post on Twitter. Mm. It will always make it back to that person. And I think a lot of us are guilty of this. I, I, 
I have definitely tweeted something after watching I'm a Celebrity yeah. or what any other reality TV show, being like, oh, that person, like, why did they say that? Or, oh, I'm, I don't like this person anymore. I think that's all, uh, that's part of the genre. I think the whole point is to get these conversations going. But sometimes before you put those tweets out, you think, oh, actually, this is someone. Like, they might read this. And I think that's the, that's where reality TV it can manifest itself mm-hmm. in a dangerous area. Um, yep. And that's why I think a lot of people do struggle when they come out of these bubbles of reality TV shows and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that, that, you know, that's why all these problems arise. Well, I think the issue is for those specific shows in particular, you say Love Island and I'm a Celebrity and, and whatnot, it is a big popularity contest. Yeah. And I think that's the issue. You watch something that's more talent based and it's it, like i said it's based more on the talent rather than the person themselves but when it's literally all focused on who they are as a person it's it, it's much more dangerous to then start picking apart people based on their persona yeah and this goes on to another conversation of, of kind of the influence reality tv shows do have because when you see people posting stuff on Twitter, it is as if it is genuine and legit and it is very black and white and mm-hmm. this is exactly who they are as a person based off of this two-minute scene which they've seen, they comment on Twitter. So you can, even by looking at Twitter and social media, you can see how a lot of us are duped into thinking this is totally real. And I mm-hmm. think that's when it starts becoming dangerous because it, then it starts influencing people's behaviours. Yeah. I think obviously a lot of these people that are on these reality TV shows, the ones that we've spoken about in particular, then tend to go on and have a career in social media as, say, influencers, for an example. And I think a lot of young people in particular look up to these people. Yeah. Mostly because, one, it seems like a very easy way to make money. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people put their aspirations because they literally just Instagram all day and get yeah. cash for it. Mm. And I'm not taking that away from the people that do that. That's their that's their income and that's fair enough. They've clearly worked very hard at that. Yeah. But I don't think that is a healthy way to look up to someone because not everyone is going to go into doing that. Mm. And then trying to become that type of person, if that's not who you are, you shouldn't need to aspire to that. Yeah. You have your own talents and your own your own beliefs or, or whatever it is. You don't need to become these kind of people and aspire to be that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think a point that I do want to make, because um, I think it ties in quite nicely with Instagram, is that in the same way we manage our Instagram accounts, I think, and all our social media is in the same way that these reality TV producers produce their shows you know we pick and choose what we want people to see mm-hmm. we are we are essentially our own reality tv producer yeah. i control what people see of my life i pick and choose in the same way that the um producers or directors or writers of these reality tv shows they do exactly the same so if you if you can understand that about yourself then when you watch these reality tv shows that's when you know okay let's take this with a pinch of salt um and i think that's easier said than done um because we're so surrounded by media and influence right now. Mm-hmm. And I do really think that reality TV has embedded itself right into that influence. 
So, Mr. Cave, uh, do you think that producers, directors, uh, writers of reality TV shows have a responsibility in what they show to the general public? Um, I would say it's a 50-50 thing. I think the producers and the writers and the whole team, um, essentially their job is to bring in viewers and and reach and hit a specific target. Mm -hmm. And if they are doing that, then their job is essentially done. Um, but then on the flip side of that, I think viewers also have the, their own responsibility to take away from a show whatever they want to take away from. If you don't enjoy a show or you find it is triggering, then you can turn it off. No one is forcing you to watch it. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a joint, joint responsibility. Yeah, and I think because reality TV is so broad, there'll be particular sub-genres that would be more triggering than others. I guess it's it's about the main message that the people want to give to the general public for a lot of the time as you said it will just be entertainment um but however entertaining to what cost and i guess you know you said you don't have to watch it which is absolutely fine but i think of the ones that are particularly triggering do you think it's worth um there being disclaimers at the start of these shows you know making sure that people are aware of the fact that this is heightened and not true to reality i think it would definitely help the situation um but i mean do disclaimers actually work and that's a completely separate question like you can stick a disclaimer at the start of something but people are going to watch it regardless and like Mm -hmm. i say at the start they're still going to take away the same message that they personally want to take away from it yeah it doesn't matter what you stick at the start Mm -hmm. um but i think all a disclaimer does is cover the backs of the people making it yeah exactly it's a good point um but I think, yeah, I think it would help. I think you've got to, you should, ha- you should be have a responsibility to warn viewers what is coming up in the show if you know that there's going to be subject matter that could potentially be triggering. Mm-hmm. I think that's that responsibility, is just to warn. Yeah, well, I, I, I think I totally agree with the fifty-fifty argument because you could argue that the people making these shows are just as bad as the people who choose to watch them and give give it its time of day and give it that kind of you know airtime that airtime and like you said when you watch certain shows like everyone's tweeting about it like i i I tweet all the time when i'm watching reality tv show like am i part of the problem as well Am, am i the reason why these things keep getting churned out and they and they become more and more risque and you know and then it starts affecting people's lives um and i think that's the difference isn't it it's because it's not just the responsibility to what they show is the responsibility of looking after these people coming out of these shows mm. because they are human beings they're normal human beings and suddenly they're going to get all this media attention and that does not matter what subgenre of yeah. reality tv it is you're going to go on these chat shows you're going to suddenly be on itv you're going to suddenly be on you know some some other reality tv show it's a whole you're in the dom- public eye all of a sudden yeah yeah it's a whole domino effect and that's why you get people who go on one reality TV show and then find themselves on another and they stick in this bubble and it's a constant life of being vulnerable and being open to public scrutiny and that shouldn't be the way it is but unfortunately with papers, with media, with journalists they will pick on you and that's that's the horrible thing about it so I guess it, it kind of all is one big mess really and yeah. we're all kind of... We're all we all kind play of, into it. Yeah, I think we all do. Everyone enjoys reality. Well, a majority of people enjoy reality TV. Mm. Um, and you saying, "Are you the problem because you 
then go and tweet about it. I wouldn't say you're the problem. I think it's the people who choose, like we said in, in the, the past segment, the people who go on and choose to spout aggression through social media and yeah. stuff like that. That's the issue. That's what gives it a negative connotation. Mm. You just posting about a specific part of the show or who you want to see go this week or, or what, however it works. I don't think that's necessarily aiding the problem. That's just, that's what the show is. It creates a discussion. It creates people talking about it. But I think that's the issue now because anyone can comment on it. Yeah. That's when it becomes dangerous is because so many people, everyone's going to have a different opinion regardless. And now we're able to disagree with someone online so quickly. So you're going to have constant back and forth between people. Mm. And a lot of that is going to be negative, unfortunately. Yeah. I think now as our lives are evolving in the way that we interact with each other with the way that as you said we can just comment on things so quickly on things we are seeing i do think going back to the original question i asked you that the responsibility is becoming greater and greater and greater every day because even even with stuff that isn't reality tv we are losing what's real and what isn't and i feel like reality tv is is really um an example of that just to a, an, in an entertaining mm. way. It's blurring the lines it, between... The lines are being totally blurred and you can see why, you know, there's always, like, links to dystopian stuff and, you know, why people watch Black Mirror and say, oh, you know, this is happening now. Like, yeah. there's a reason for that because people like Charlie Brooker can see that stuff happening and evolving and I do think it's it's evolving at such a fast pace that if we're not careful, um, you know reality tv just become is going to become more and more dangerous and i think more and more people are going to be affected by it um but at the same time on the flip side there are still some wonderful reality tv shows that we mm. all love and cherish that are not as triggering as others and don't pose issues thank you so much for joining us for episode number two we hope you had yourself a wonderful time so why don't you now jump over to twitter and give us a follow at interval podcast and while you're at it give us a like on facebook as well and if you want your stories heard like today whether it be feel good or strange and bizarre please email us and we can read them out loud live the email to do so is the underscore interval underscore podcast at hotmail.com now all that's left to say is have yourself a wonderful christmas stay safe and we will be back with you in the new year